I invite you to bow your heads and pray together with me this morning. Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your will for our lives, especially when it comes to this important subject of how we live out the life that you've given us in a world with people that are sometimes very different than us. Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, who is the rock and redeemer of all people. Amen. So in this series, we've been looking at this concept, this idea that the sinful side of all of us wants to always be kind of creating this category that we call them. You know, we look at people who are different than we are, and uh, rather than look at the individual, rather than look past those differences, we kind of categorize people and we put them into a group and we say, well, there's us and then there's them. And we've been, we've been talking about how we can let the love of Christ live in us in such a way that it breaks down those barriers. Now, one of the reasons we've talked about that that is there in all of us is we like to be with people that are like us, right? That picture even creeps me out, by the way. It's really kind of creepy. But, but we do. We like to be with people that are like us. Why? Because they like the same things we like, and they like to do the same kind of things we do, and they see the world the same way we see the world, and they, uh, they have the same politics we have, they have the same uh, political opinions that we have. It just makes life so much easier when we can surround ourselves with people that don't challenge us, that don't make us think differently, that don't make us try new stuff. It, it's just so much easier when we're with people that are like us. But we've talked about the fact that God has a different dream for us, doesn't he? That God's dream is that, that we would celebrate the diversity that is in the world around us, that we would experience the world in different ways through the people that God places around us in our lives, that we would try new things, that we would, we would accept new opinions, that we would look at the world differently by those relationships. That's God's dream for us. And in the very first week of the series, we heard Peter learn that important truth, that in God's eyes, all people are the same. All people are loved. All people are created in God's image, every single one of us. And, uh, and God loved each one of us so much that he sent his only son to give his life for people of all tribes, all races, all languages. In God's eyes, we are all the same. Peter learned that lesson in and hopefully we have been learning that lesson too. And as I said at the beginning, i I, I got to admit to you, this has been a hard series to preach. Not just because I knew it would be hard to hear, but because it's made me look into my heart and really examine some of my thoughts and some of my behaviors and really think that there's some stuff that I know I need to change if I'm going to live out God's plan for my life and this as well. Peter had to learn some stuff and I've had to learn it too. So what if, though, we as a congregation can fully live out this dream? I mean, it's not going to be easy, and it's, it's going to take some time, but, but what if we roll up our sleeves, and this series is kind of a starting point for us as a church to be just radically open and welcoming to the community around us at all four of our sites, so that each one of our sites truly does reflect the diversity in the community around us? Wouldn't that be awesome? If, if every single person is welcome on a Sunday morning in every one of our churches, and I know we'd say they are now, but, but do we really act in that way? 
What if we can fully realize that dream? Here's my question for you this morning. Is that enough? And the answer to that is no. That God wants even more from us than simply being an open, welcoming family of God. Even if every Sunday morning in all of our sites, we look just like heaven is going to look like with people of all races and, uh, and all creeds and all languages here. Even if we look like that on Sunday morning, God is telling us this morning that that isn't enough. We have yet one more responsibility on this issue. And that's what we want to talk about together a little bit this morning. Now, remember this statistic from week one? 84% of Americans agree that there's a lot of anger and hostility between racial groups in America today. Seems like, if anything, it's getting worse. But remember also this statistic, that 73% of Americans, again, remember, not just churchgoers, 73% of Americans, three out of every four Americans think the church, you and me, the family of God, has an important role to play in solving that problem in our society. And you know what? The Apostle Paul would agree. He wrote these words to the church in Corinth. He said, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Let's remember just for a moment that, uh, that there was an us-them, and God was the us, and we were the them because of our sins. And through Jesus, we became reconciled to our God. And Paul says, because of that, um, through Christ, we were reconciled. He's now given us something. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I've seen this too narrowly. I've seen this as our job was to help people know that they could be reconciled to God, and that's certainly at the center of that mission. But there's more to it than that. We could be voices of reconciliation for people one to another as well in the world around us. How many of you uh, have said this phrase? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think I'd see too many hands on that. Maybe just a couple. Dan Grissom's preaching over at uh, Green Trails this morning, and he and I were working on the message together. He said, if I preached this message in, in Kirksville, Missouri, where he grew up, everybody would raise their hand. He said, they say that all the time down there. So this is actually a phrase that comes from the 1800s, middle 1800s. And we think the origin of it was people didn't want to use Jesus' name in vain, so they used Jehoshaphat's name in vain instead. That was kind of their way of, you know, not saying Jesus. Instead, they say, well, jump with Jehoshaphat. Do you know what actually comes from a longer phrase? This is actually the original phrase. By the shaking, jumping ghost of Jehoshaphat. Now, who said that? No, yeah, not me. Yeah, right. Okay. Now, um, now, let me ask you a question. Who's Jehoshaphat? You know, he's a real guy, a real guy in the Bible. In fact, he was the fourth king of Judah, the southern kingdom, after the kingdom split after the reign of David and Solomon. You, you remember that? Under King David and King Solomon, God's people were united. But then after Solomon's death, the kingdom becomes split into the northern kingdom that became known as Israel and the southern kingdom that became known as Judah. And for many years, they had a string of kings, both in the north and south, and many of those kings were, were not good kings. Now, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah, and actually, overall, he was a good king. You know why? Because he worked hard 
to try to eliminate the idol worship that was going on in Judah and instead to focus people and their worship on the one true God. So, so Jehoshaphat gets high marks for that. But as we read Jehoshaphat's story, we find out even though he had done a good job with the worship of God's people, he did not do such a good job politically. And here's why. Um, One day, God sent a prophet by the name of Jehu to confront Jehoshaphat. And this is what he had to say to Jehoshaphat. He said, why do you help evil people? Why do you love those who hate the Lord? And by the way, the word love there is a political word. It's talking about political alliances. He says, why do you love those who hate the Lord? That is the reason the Lord is angry with you. In other words, while Jehoshaphat from a religious perspective, was doing the right thing. He was eliminating the worship of idols. He was pointing people towards the true God. When it came to his political alliances and political policies, he was treating people with injustice. And to Jehoshaphat's credit, he decided to try to do something about that. And so we're told that he traveled all throughout the kingdom of Judah, and he removed the judges that he had previously appointed that were being unfair, that were being unjust, and in their place appointed new judges, and these are the instructions he gave them. He said, now let each of you fear the Lord, watch what you do, because the Lord our God wants people to be fair. He wants all people to be treated the same. And he doesn't want decisions influenced by money. He said, stop the injustice. So notice, it wasn't enough that Jehoshaphat was focusing people's worship the right way. He needed to be making a difference in the society around him as well. Now, did it work? Well, not so much. Because we read a little over 100 years later, the prophet Isaiah accusing God's people of the same thing. Isaiah says, when it comes to your worship of God, God is pleased with you. He he quotes God here. He says, God says, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. That's good. As if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They asked of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. He said, worship-wise, you're doing it right. He says, but there's a problem. And in fact, he says, this is the kind of fast day, this is the kind of worship I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, and to cancel debts. In other words, still in Isaiah's day, there was injustice happening in the society around them. And God says to his people, that's great that you want to worship me, but look at how you're treating others. How are we doing today? Now, isn't it interesting that that we can look at that list of of words, of things going on in our society, intolerance, discrimination, prejudice, and I'll bet you if we tried to define those words together, we'd find we have a lot of different definitions for those words. And and I bet you even further, if I said to you, do you believe those are problems in America, I rate them 1 to 10, we'd probably disagree on how much of a problem they are in our country, too. We we struggle. We, We found that out even during this series that that, that we've struggled with defining what exactly is racism. Do we agree on that? We don't. But I think we would all agree that there is injustice in our society. Let me give you one example that I think would be hard to argue with. If you consider people and the poverty level in America, they set the poverty level just a little more than $24,000 a year in annual income. So in other words, if your annual income is less than $24,000 a year, you are living below the poverty line. 
and about 13.5% of America's, Americans live below the poverty line today. But here's the injustice. If you are born into an African-American family, or if you are born into a Hispanic family, you are more than twice as likely to be born into a family living below the poverty level than you are if you're born into a white family. That's just a fact. One statistic said that of African-American children under six years old, 50% of them, half of them, live below the poverty line. Now, I'm sure there are very complicated reasons for why that is true. But the fact is, that is true in America today. There is injustice in our society. There is injustice, and it's based in this idea of race. So what are we going to do about it? We have all kinds of isms, not just racism. There's sexism and classism and anti-Semitism, and we could just go down and down that list of isms. People are not all treated equally in the society around us. Let's just be honest about that. But we've been called to be better than that. Jesus said this. That's actually the wrong reference in there. I just realized it's supposed to be Matthew 5. He said, they are blessed who work for peace, for they will be called God's children. And the word peace here is an interesting word. It means more than just the absence of conflict. Working for peace in someone's life means helping create the conditions in their life that allow them to be the full human person that God created them to be. So it's not just enough that we keep people safe or, or we make sure that they're not being harmed. We have a responsibility as God's people to be working for peace in the world around us in such a way that their lives are full and complete as God intended. Jesus unpacked that a few verses later in that, in that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, first of all, I want to make sure you notice something. Jesus did not say you better be the salt of the earth or you should be the light of the world. He's not giving us a command and then kind of turning us loose to try to figure out how to follow it. He's saying as God's people, this is what you will be. This is what I have created you to be. This is what I have made you to be. I've made you to make a difference in the society around you, not just within the four walls of your church. Jesus was actually um, using an old Roman proverb that was uh, in the, common in the world around him in those days. This ancient Roman proverb was, there's nothing more useful than salt and sunshine. That's what we're supposed to be. I mean, I'm sure you've heard discussions of this before. Why salt? Because salt not only was a flavoring for food as we use it today, it was a preservative that kept food from spoiling. It was used as a fertilizer sometimes in the soil. It was so valuable, you could actually take your wages in salt instead of in currency if you were a member of the Roman army. Salt was a valuable commodity that made a difference in people's everyday lives. And Jesus says, you, you're salt. And light, light, of course, was a big deal then, too. Don't forget, they didn't have electricity. They couldn't just, you know, flip on the light switch when the, it got dark outside. The fact is, light was a way of keeping yourself safe on the path. Light was a way of extending the workday and helping you get more done. Light provided safety and protection for you and for your family. Light was a big deal. And Jesus says to you and me that we are to be salt 
and light in the world around us. Now, we've all heard that before. We've made t-shirts about it before, right? But folks, this is more than just a a cool t-shirt slogan. When we think about it, it's challenging. It's not enough, Jesus says, that we get our act together here as the family of God. We have to go out into that world around us, and we have to be people that are making a radical difference in the society in which we exist. That's the challenge that we have. And again, it's hard. I want to give you one example of how that played itself out a little bit in the lives of one of our members here at Trinity. Ken List is one of our members, and he and his wife got involved in a prison ministry recently. They wanted to make a difference um, in the world around them. And what they found is God used that to not only help them make a difference in the lives of people that were very different than them, but to change them too. And Ken made a new friend. And that friend is a man by the name of Mike who helps lead that prison fellowship ministry. And I'd like you to hear from the two of them just a little bit. Let's watch this. Can the wounds go very deep? Uh, when I listen to uh, members of my own family and what carries over into the uh, congregation, uh, the worship experience, uh, is that people are just people. They're trying to... Uh, have a little joyful experience, uh, they don't want to think about segregation. They don't want to think about racism. Uh, They want to be relieved of the hurts, but uh, I would like to say that we cannot run away from it. Uh, Our churches, unfortunately, uh, on Sunday mornings when we normally have our worship, some have on Saturday, are really segregated. And I just can't believe that Jesus is pleased with that. So I thank him for moving on your pastor's heart and you uh, to begin a series and uh, to have this conversation. I'm going to go back to my church. I moved and uh, to have this conversation. We need to be more intentional, eliminating uh, racism and bigotry on our parts. What happened during slavery, what happened with the great migration from the south to the north, uh, we've got to be healed from that and move forward. And with God's help, both of our congregations and specifically the members can move forward to build the bridges, to have the conversations, to form the relationships that there's no reason we shouldn't be doing. I'd just like to say this one thing. Uh, You know, I love you as a brother, even though you're a brother from another mother. (laughs) You and Catherine have a special place in our heart uh, because of the excellence that you bring uh, to everyone when you minister at the institutions. And I will be eternally grateful uh, for your preparation use of all of your many gifts and talents that God has bestowed upon you because many of those people that we minister to, as you well know, uh, have a totally different opinion of what white people are. Please, nobody takes this wrong, but they have nicknames like white devils and, you know, all they want is control and money. But all you and Catherine bring to them is 
love and compassion and hope and a realization that if they all embrace the Transformation Life Program, that they can really change their lives. And then once again, Ken, I really appreciate you doing that. There's no one single factor we can point to, whether it's in Hispanic lives, whether it's in black lives or um, disadvantaged white lives, that have taken people to the point where they are. But it's been most often a number of factors. And a number of factors that have been out of their control in the first place. And it's with that understanding that I've developed a sense of compassion for those people. And it's not that I want to control them, as, 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 as you pointed to, but it's I want to help them because Christ has helped me. And how can I not help others because of the way Christ has helped me? Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Ken was a little reluctant to have that story told because uh, he didn't want the glory for himself. And the fact is, when we let God work in our lives, when we are willing to step out of our comfort zone and, and minister to people that are different than us or uh, to speak up for injustice in the world around us, to try to make a difference, not just in our church family, but in the society in which God has placed us, when we do that, look at what Jesus says happens. When we are salt and light, he says, in the same way you should be a light for other people, live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. That's what it's all about, isn't it, folks? The reason we speak up for injustice in the society around us, the reason we do what we can do to make a difference, the reason we want to be salt and light is not so that people will go, wow, those people from Trinity, they are awesome. It's so that people will go, wow, their God, their God is amazing. And I want to learn more. Folks, that's really the dream, isn't it? The, the dream is that, that God would use us not only to be an open and inclusive family of God here in this place, but that we could be a light shining in the darkness of the world around us, that we could be salt that preserves and adds joy to life for the society around us in such a way that God is giving glory and praise. So one last thought as we wrap this series up. Some people have compared racism in America right now to a fire that seems to be burning out of control. Now, when you were a kid, what were you taught to do when you were on fire? Everybody knows that. Isn't that amazing? Stop, drop, and roll, right? That's what you were taught to do. So I'm going to challenge you as we end this series, as we move forward to stop, drop, and roll. Here's what you want to do first. Stop. When you find yourself thinking thoughts about people that are different than you and classifying them uh, based on the color of their skin or their socioeconomic background, just stop. When, when you hear those stories on television and you start to react in a way that you know might be different than what God would want you to react to, just stop. We all need to just take a deep breath and stop and really examine our hearts and our thoughts and our actions. And then let's drop. Let's drop to our knees in prayer. Let's, let's drop to our knees and humbly ask God to, to remove uh, racism from our hearts and from our lives, to, to help us see people the way God sees them, as dearly loved children. And then after we've stopped and after we've dropped to our knees in prayer, let's roll. Let's as a congregation and as individuals say, we're just not going to tolerate anything that separates us from others in our church family or in the society around us. 
And by the way, um, in, in the weeks and months to come, we're going to keep putting some resources out there to help you if you want to do that. A few weeks ago, I mentioned a new series that uh, CPH is coming out with for small groups written by an African-American pastor that's a friend of mine. Um, it's called One Nation Under God, and you could check that out. Um, Nick and, uh, and Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave and Nick have been working together on a, a series that we can use in our groups and as individuals to help us grow in this area. Nick, I think, is that going to be up on the website? It'll be, it's going to be up in the city, so that'll be there. Uh, there's a longer version, by the way, of that video that will be linked also as well. So if you want to hear more about Ken and Mike's story and how working together has affected them, you could see that as well. We're going to keep putting resources in front of you, but, but folks, as a congregation, let's roll. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work on this issue so that at every single one of our campuses, people know that they are welcome, even if they're very different than us. In fact, let's, let's pray about that together right now. Lord, um, I pray, first of all, in thanksgiving for this series. It's been a hard series, and it's been really challenging to preach and to listen to. It, it's been challenging because it opens up an area of our lives that sometimes we would rather just forget, we would rather not think about. But Lord, you're a God that loves all. You're, you're a radically inclusive God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we wrestle through this area of our lives. That, uh, that you would guide and direct us, that you would help us stop any, any thoughts or actions that separate us from others, that you would, you would drive us to our knees again and again to you in prayer, and finally, that you would help us as people and as a church to be open and welcoming, to speak up for injustice in the world around us. Lord, all these things we pray in the name of your son, Jesus, who gave his life and has reconciled us. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T L C, the number four, and the letter U dot org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.